Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. And today I've got the amazing Tommy Blanche with me. Hey, Tom. Hello. So Tommy is a teacher at the Mandela Primary School in Folkestone and recent TEDx Folkestone speaker, just fresh off the Folkestone stage, having done a wonderful talk on what if I told you maths was about play. So I'm very happy that Tommy's here to talk about this in a bit more detail and tell us where he's coming from. He's very passionate about giving kids confidence in themselves when it comes to the topic of maths, which I guess um, many of us will probably go, oh yeah, I was no good at maths, myself included. And I certainly remember a conversation being my dad was good at maths, my mum was good at English, so I was going to be good at one or the other. So why don't we start with, um, tell us a bit about you and this passion that you have around bringing the play back into maths in particular in the class. Well, I, if we're going back to what you said just a second ago, I was, I was good at English. I wasn't good at maths. And that was from a family who are good, quote unquote, at English, not at maths. So that sort of drilled into you from a younger age that you're, you're, we're good at English. We can't. We can't do maths. And I remember, I was always okay. I was always actually quite decent at arithmetic, but kind of I think the confidence just wore down after a while. And my mum and dad um, told me a story of when my sister was um, asking me to ask me a basic question. Does he do when you're a little child who's learning maths at school? I think she must have been in like year one. So basic calculations. And I think I was giving her quick answers. And she said, no, you have to use your fingers. So it's like, <laughs> doing quite, so which is good. Like, it's good teaching, but it's kind of like, um, I think our, our family is not mathematically geared in that way, confidence-wise. My mum has actually got an economics degree. So she understands, she taught herself an awful lot about the way money works in terms of mathematics in society. But I think as a general subject, we're not massively mathematical family. We are more uh, literal in terms of literal, that's the wrong word, but literacy-based, if you see what I mean. Um, so I... When I got to secondary school, 15, 16-year-old boy, I'll just work at what I'm good at. And so I got like an A and an A star in my thesis in English. I got like an E in maths. It's like, well, that's, that's, I can't do that. I can do this. So let's just keep working at this and just put that over there and not really listen, which was a bit of a problem a few years later when I realised that my calling at that particular moment was to become a teacher. Um, because that meant I had to work to get the maths and the science, which I just discarded. Um, so I had to go to evening classes, but I had to kind of overcome an awful lot of confidence um, confidence issues to get through mathematical problems and mathematical, get mathematical qualifications. Um, so I, I have a lot of sympathy, I've always had a lot of sympathy for children um, who, who couldn't understand maths or the importance or relevance of it. Um, because of that underlying confidence issue. And I think it's a subject where it's almost fashionable to say, oh, I'm not good at maths. Yeah, I'm not good at maths. It's, it's fun to say you're not good at maths. It's like, it was really crucial in terms of your understanding of the world, because otherwise people just rip you off, like governments rip you off and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, with statistics, you can't necessarily understand because you don't have the confidence to process them. So. Mm. But isn't it like, so... What I'm thinking right now is this is cool to anyone that's got young babies 
to not talk to their kids like this in terms of like, you're not going to be any good at, you're screwed because I was no good at maths. Yeah, yeah. It's conditioned into us, right? It's almost like written into the stars when our parents determine our fate based on theirs, on their past. So what would you say to parents um, that are talking to their kids that are entering the school kind of age uh, or even yep. later on in life, what what would you love the conversation to be around the dinner table? Um, I think my biggest my biggest difficulty with it is not it, it can't. I mean, any any conversations around maths are helpful in, in terms of even just counting things. Like I've got a seven year old and a three year old, so we do a lot of counting and so on and so forth, and noticing things about number in our conversations. Um, but I think. I'd almost want not to have so many children, not to have parents, and this doesn't, I don't mean this offensively, but like write off children before they start. Like, mm. do you see what I mean? Mm. Like, um, oh, it's no, it's okay. We can't, we're not very good at maths because it's kind of, it's kind of a get out then in their mind to say, oh, I can't, I can't do this. Do you see what I mean? Mm. Um, when I think all children can do maths, like if you, you can have, um, you have five fingers on each hand or five toes on each foot. You see what I mean? So you've got something to count with to begin with. Old, old children can recognise stuff about shape. Old children can recognise stuff about number. Um, and there's so many different things. But she got my little one has actually joined Hello. Can <laughs> you say hello? Okay, yes. You've got her hair. I, I almost want the conversation to not be so much around we can't do it rather than just an open thing as in how are you finding maths how are you finding this how are you not really giving any preconceived idea yeah does that make sense yeah totally because as you're talking I'm thinking it's almost like a protection mechanism isn't it for the parents to say you're not going to be any good at maths it's almost like protecting their child from perhaps the shame and embarrassment or the lack of confidence they felt growing up yeah, and I, I, don't, I feel really bad now because I feel like my conversation, my last answer was really negative and it's not. It's almost like, you know, when you really, really want something and your your answer is like, oh, I don't mind, I don't mind if I, I don't mind if I win. You know, it's almost you're, you're putting that stock gap in to say, oh, I'm not, I, I can't, uh, we can't really do maths. And it's almost saying, doesn't matter if we get there or not. And it's like... But if the, the conversation changed to how are you finding this, what you discover, mm. it just it immediately removes the, the yeah. barrier of you can't do this before you started. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this whole conditioning that we go through as we grow up. So um, I'm always looking out for, um, oh, that's where we were conditioned as a kid, possibly yeah. by our parents. Like, And it's no fault of our parents. No. Uh, it's like a very innocent protection mechanism i believe yeah um yeah and i also think it's i mean i think it's just with maths is prevalent in society like i even going back to watching panel shows like room 101 um years ago there's a retro reference for you um the the i saw people laughing about like silly maths questions and stuff and it's like but you're putting in a sort of condition you're putting in a mindset where maths is a bit silly and you don't mm-hmm. necessarily need to understand it which isn't necessarily the best way of looking at it mm, yeah absolutely there's, there's so much of it when you look into it now let's get on to the quote you used in your talk which um certainly made me think which was 
Maths should be more like a Game of Thrones and less like The Simpsons. Yeah. What, what tell us about that? Um, so <laughs> I, I saw it. I can't. The problem is with this quote. You see, I it's I have a my guilty pleasure is like I wake up like late at night. So off you go. This is, I'm, this is this is this is multitasking all I'm afraid so <laughs> <laughs> um I, I, I'm scrolling through the internet like two in the morning and it's like you woke up at two in the morning you're like don't look at your phone don't look at oh, it's fine. so I remember looking at different quotes and I found this quote which was um again education should be more like against transverse symptoms I was thinking what does that how does that work how does that where's that come from and it was it, it what it means is that it should be episodes which are linked together because it connects brain synapses and creates more concrete understanding um and that led me it's quite interesting because this is very cyclical that led me into thinking more deeply about educating because this quote i remember this quote years ago now because that led me into looking at the likes of ken robinson and other things that inspired me in terms of ted talks um in terms of how do you engage what should education be like um so it should be from that particular quote lessons which link into each other rather than just standalone exciting extravaganzas um i think uh, certainly early in your career as a teacher you teach a really buzzy brilliant lesson and you're like that was brilliant but you don't really you're you're, you're happy with just having taught a good lesson rather than where does it lead to next mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you see what i mean yeah and this is what fascinates me about what you've done is you've created all these characters and these planets and worlds <laughs> and then you brought them all together at the end of turn right so t- tell us yeah. about your approach now what you found has worked and you've been working with year six students right the last few years yeah I've, i mean i've worked in year six for four years now in a row um which is quite an interesting one because i mean my main my main thrust with this was four years ago, my first year at Mandela, we had a class who had a sort of up and down time in terms of education. And we got like, in our end of key statutory assessments, we got 19% got the expected grade for maths, which wasn't very good. Um, so I thought, well, we need to change this. So I thought, how do I change this? And I went back to this thing about Game of Thrones and Simpsons and interlinked ideas. Um, so I thought we're interlinked ideas of maths. It could be through stories, which uses my literacy skills. So each lesson was the next part of the story. But there were six individual stories, one story per turn, about individual characters. And by the end, I thought, by the end of the year, I thought, would be really good if I could link all of this together as a massive conspiracy. So each lesson, bringing back a different character from a previous term, and they were all connected. And the kids were like, oh, this is really good. And <laughs> we got a massive improvement in terms of our scores, which we sustained again since then. Um, I wanted to do it this year, but we had, with the pandemic, it sort of jiggled everything up and down, really, yeah. and made it more difficult. Mm-hmm. But it was really interesting. And that's those, those early years of doing those storytelling, because... In that last term, I changed it. The, the maths lesson ended up having a theme tune. I changed them into episode titles rather than like lesson things with like blurbs, which I stuck on the window of the classroom so the kids could see it. And they were like coming to the window and going, Oh my God, what's this one about? What's this thing? And then we had like the plenary, which is a bit you do at the end of the lesson. 
were like their fan theories about what's going to happen next based on what they knew. And they were remembering what was really interesting is I think the whole point of making it interlinked ideas is to connect brain synapses so things connect. And in their theories about what was happening, they were remembering stuff that were really small incidents in the year that I'd forgotten. Mm -hmm. So it's not just triggering mathematical memory, it's triggering all sorts of little connections in life and seeing seeing things almost from an epistemic thing we take various talk from the ted talks that mm-hmm. it's not just in maths it's the whole educational connect, uh, experience is connected which is just really really interesting um so yeah it, it was good um and and I've, I've looked back on that that really well in the books the books look amazing because there's so much of their i think we've just in year six just now and bear in mind we had a term and a half out of half class there's a couple of children who completed like 11 exercise books in their maths because which you know in terms of the budget of the school they're probably not very happy with but but there's so much writing and so many different bits that go into it they're more than just maths and um then you get parents come back to me afterwards and say oh my, my kids doing really well in secondary school maths it's, it's lovely it's really really good because i think we put in the building blocks of what's been successful yeah. to make them successful moving forward that's amazing. And let's not wash over this um, increase from the 19%. Because you saw 19%, uh, 65% pass. Yeah, 19 to then- 65%. And then, uh, like, I think last year, and I'm not a particularly exam-driven person because I think you have to look at things um, as more of a, uh, what, what have they taken from it as a bigger yeah. educational overview. But it's a measure, um, right? But, but it's a measure, and you get, you end up playing this production role, what percentage are we going And I think this year we got around 62%, or we would have wow. done. And the, the, the year last year, I think it would have been more like 70s because the kids have really connected with it. Um, but obviously that washed out for the pandemic. Um, so, but that's fine. And I think the, the, um, for, for my demographic where I work, they don't always connect with maths anyway. They find it quite hard. Um, so we're always going to be likely to be on the underside of government expectations in terms of test results. But actually, it's positive in that we're getting closer and we're sustaining interest in learning about maths. And, and that's really, really important. So. Yeah, amazing. And... Obviously, your kids then have gone on or will go on to secondary education. Yeah. Next term. Yeah. How do you, because going back to Berry's academic insights, this is kind of like the bigger questions and the fact that then, you know, as kids at that age, we're really resilient because then we go from this kind of classroom where we're kind of doing everything and we're a bit more play and then we go into this timetable structure and we go to history and then we go to maths and yeah how how do you think that serves or doesn't serve the kids when they go into that kind of system of secondary education i think it's i think there's quite it's it's a very hard balance really because i think secondary school is always going to be different you know i think it's not one thing you have as a conversation with your kids all the time the year six teachers it's going to be so different you're going to have this I always have my homework rant with them which is like 
because they get a bit less they fair with primary school homework towards the end in terms of handing homework in. And you, I do. I always had this this thing. It always came out at some point in year six where I put all the subjects on the board and say, "This teacher is not going to speak to this teacher about if you've had your homework in and so on and so forth." So that's always a bit of a thing of a thought shot for them moving forwards. I think it's just seeing for year six going into year seven it's it's are they able to stand on their own two feet more for themselves and, uh, because you do even in primary school you do look after them an awful lot it's just especially now especially probably even more now post pandemic i think education has really done an awful lot for children um i don't know and this in the criticism of secondary school i don't know if that's same in secondary school or not um i know primary education you put a uh, cotton wool around them an awful lot and then you send them to secondary school and you're just like well I hope you get on okay <laughs> you see what I mean um I think everything from just make it get them stand around two feet a bit more to the number of maybe more detentions you get at secondary school it must be a bit of a culture shock I mean I'm, I'm getting to the point now where I'm having to think back really far in my own life to to think what was it like going from primary school to secondary school mm. but I remember it being very different um, oh god yeah I remember yeah. that first day where we kind of lined up in this really long line to go into this really big hall in this strange uniform and we got our timetable and it was like just wrapping yeah. your head around where you had to be and yeah it was you're, you're very small in a big school right so it's it's and it's hugely character building and shaping, right? That whole yeah. transition and um, so yeah, it's it's fascinating to think back actually. And it was sad because our um, what was my year seven to eight nine, I think, school um, was um, bulldozed a couple of years ago. Really, and it's really sad because oh, wow. I, I, I'm so nostalgic. I love going yeah. back into old buildings and like having flashbacks. Yeah, yeah and remembering because it really does bring out those memories yeah um but yeah I I think it depends on whether or not you had a good experience at school right to whether or not how much you remember and what memories you do have and that and and that goes back again to what we're talking about maths earlier in terms of parents and how they speak to to um children about maths it's a lot of it's memories of their own Mm -hmm. education um and and you know what was really good about working with Ted in Ted talk was how much overlap between like the thoughts was because I've already mentioned Barry's epistemic insight one was amazing but even the links to what Richard Bundy was talking about in terms of like that um earlier like generational attitudes mm-hmm. to something yeah remain in place yeah. yeah yeah and even with Greg I haven't had Greg on yet actually I'm hoping to catch him before the end of the season but um you know in terms of like this curiosity that we have as kids and the creativity that's actually knocked yeah. out of us at some point oh definitely go into yeah. this system and this yeah, structure yeah. and yeah um, kind of we forget yeah I, I like i think if you watch some of the ken robinson ones he talks about that and i think there's one which is the main one which is called do schools kill creativity and it's really interesting how we educate children so well at nursery and foundation and then we just, we almost just lose, we lose so much of that. The further they go up mm. the school system, the more we condition them in a way which is like, why are we doing that when they're exploring so well at such an early age? Um, and they give, the children begin to give you more standardised answers 
I think as, uh, as you get higher, as you go to year six, you get the quirky answers occasionally. But I imagine they happen much more earlier. And I think a lot of children, a lot of people put that down to children just being younger and more quirky. But I think it's possibly partly that, but partly just conditioning and how we get them to see the world. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Mm, um, it is. So you're going back in September to a year three class. Yeah. And yeah. how does that differ in terms of your approach? Um, well, it will be different. I think I think it's quite interesting because I've, I've only at Mandela, I've only worked in year six. So I've worked there four years in year six, but I've done year three twice. I've worked all across the primary phase, really. Um, but my approach to year three will be different to my approach to year six. It just, just is, which is very strange when you think about it. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, though. Um, it would be nice to work with different children, different age groups, and then just push myself to rediscover a different way of teaching um so yeah it'd be nice amazing and i know you've wanted to do a tedx talk for a few years now so how does it feel being a tedx speaker and what's the reaction been like to your talk i'm really proud of it i'm, I'm honestly really proud of it i don't know i don't know if there's anything in my career I'm going to do which I'm, more, I'm going to be more proud of than the fact I, I did a TED talk on something that I'd done that, that was a life story of my own. That That's going to be very, even if I like whatever direction my career goes in, like I'm a head teacher or whatever, I don't think anything is going to top the fact that I got to do a TED talk. And it, it was done in my hometown and it was done on what I have contributed to education if you see what I mean mm -hmm. um, and as long as that can inspire other people that that'd be really really good the the reaction's been really good um so one of my year sixes a couple of my sixes I think mentioned it in their leavers memories <laughs> me because they're proud of me they said oh. in terms of masters TED Talk's been amazing so I was like oh, that's really cute um so um you know it, it's really really good and I think just having that opportunity to share my story was really, really lovely. Um, mm. And yeah, it, it's nice. It's, really it's a legacy you've created there in terms of that talk. So it's... Um... It's really odd because I was just, I found like, if you look at some of the talks, like some of them are so deep, like Sarah's is so deep and Richard's is so deep and like Berries and, and all of them, are, they're such lovely stories. I mean, you get anecdotal ones which are really lovely like Greg's and mine is a lovely talk but then you see people like my, my Facebook they're leaving comments that's really inspirational I'm like what is what's what okay that's really good but what um, if you're inspired by it that's fantastic but you almost see different people take different values in what you say unexpectedly do you see what I mean mm -hmm. if it inspires people to work in a particular way that that'd be fantastic so but yeah Oh, congratulations again for doing it. It was really Thank great. You. And I was so honoured to be part of your journey as well. Thank um, you. Since then, you have actually been inspired to set up your own YouTube channel, Facebook page. So why don't you signpost people there? I know it's been a bit yeah. quieter. It has. I, obviously, we did TED Talk in June. So by that, what I'm aiming to do with my YouTube channel is when I have a good idea in terms of how 
mathematics is sort of one of the activities that I've done or one of the characters I've introduced. So I'll do a video and put it up and then I explain how it's worked. And I started doing that, but obviously we got to the end of the school year. So it was very much like I've kind of run out of material in the first few weeks. But when we get back to next term, um, I'll be putting up my Mr. Blanche Mathematics um, Facebook page and YouTube channel. Um, it's not one of those channels whereby you get someone standing in front of a blackboard or a whiteboard saying like this is how you do mm -hmm. color multiplication because there's so many of those around mine is more like this is a character i used and how i used it this is an activity we did and why i did it this way and if you see what i mean because it's a little bit different um yeah a and bit. i've had a lots of, a good number of views for each video so far so hopefully that will continue when i really push it next next um term Love it. Love it. I will include a link to that in the show notes as well as your talk. And I hope everyone here goes and checks that out because it really is um, an entertaining and inspirational talk. It really is. So um, thank you so much for being on today, Tommy. And, um, and so my three, my three year old was determined to try and get involved. <laughs> Does she want to say goodbye? Do you mind me want to say bye bye? No, <laughs> she doesn't want to talk now. She's giving me a bowl. Um, with that, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, see you next time. Thanks, Tommy. Bye bye. Thank you.